Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room for Friday, January 24th, 2014. I am Dave Gonzalez. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I, Dave, with a seven, and I am here to review I, Frankenstein on a very interesting episode where I am the only original co-host. So I brought somebody in with me, Miss Perry Nemiroff, returning guest, um, who I haven't actually shared a podcast with you since way back in the old Operation Kino days when you were our Katie replacement. I uh, can't even remember what we were talking about way back then. Uh, maybe Horrible Bosses? Did we both see Horrible Bosses? You know, that could have been it, yeah. I think you might, I can't believe you remember that. Well, it was very seminal time period for me to be talking to Perry Memoroff about Horrible Bosses. <laughs> um, but this one, unfortunately, I don't think is going to leave quite an impact in our mind. Uh, I, Frankenstein is a movie by Stuart Beattie, who also wrote it and uh, was helped in the screen story by Kevin... Uh, Gravo, I'm going to say is how it's pronounced. That's how you say it. Yes, he was also the co-creator of the Underworld franchise and plays a very large black werewolf that is scary. And he also plays, in this movie, a demon because, uh, I guess I buried the lead there. I, Frankenstein isn't so much about Frankenstein as it is about the ongoing war between the demons um, led by Bill Nighy's uh, King... Nebarius and uh, the uh, gargoyles who are on the side of the angels led by Miranda Otto's uh, Lenore who's sort of the queen and um, neither of these supernatural figures run around uh, looking all supernatural they both have human to demon transitions and I really hope you find that cool because outside of that the plot is uh, Frankenstein is a living MacGuffin as they both battle to either kill him and erase the sort of mystery of uh, life caused by electricity that may or may not have a soul or capture him and multiply him into many Frankensteins that are sort of invincible and don't have souls. So even though that might have betrayed how I felt about the movie, I'm going to throw it to Perry for a bit more criticism before I really dig my teeth into it, I think. Um, in this case, I'm having a hard time separating having done interviews for it and actually seeing the movie. I mean, I wrote a review and of course I completely detached myself from anything I heard from them and judged it based on just it being a movie in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But what made me really sad is that after talking to the director, it seems like they had all the best intentions and the right idea to just kind of do something different and make it a real character piece. And it's like... That they thought about it maybe beforehand, and they're talking about it now, but didn't do any of it during the movie, and and just talking to some of the stars too, it, it, like no one gave anything a second thought. And this is a movie essentially here. Frankenstein's monster is a soulless guy, and he's out to find his humanity and a companion. And you can't not have layers to a character and have the movie's arc be so centered on that because. If there's no heart, why are you going to care? But I, the one thing that I really did like about this movie was the gargoyles. Yeah, I no, had a lot great. of fun with that scenario. And I wouldn't mind a whole movie about the gargoyle order, even though I didn't like I, Frankenstein. Yeah, there were 
moments in the movie where I got exactly what they were going for. There's a pretty awesome gargoyle demon fight uh, in the first third of the movie and then sort of one at the end. And they do this cool design thing. I really like what you said about everybody had great ideas because there's some great design ideas in this movie, if nothing else. Um, Sort of like uh, softening the blue-green palette that we're used to with Underworld to add like some warmer earth colors and then this sort of idea that uh, when you kill one of these supernatural creatures, their soul either has to ascend or descend um, and it adds sort of like all these, uh, when the gargoyles are killed, they sort of split into heavenly light and then this light shaft goes all the way up in the clouds and they sort of ascend back into heaven whereas the demons sort of become these fire souls that fly around aimlessly and then eventually have to disappear into the ground so when you multiply both of those characters by you know dozens or hundreds it becomes this cacophonous amazingness that um you know i sort of gave me echoes of transformers 3 dark of the moon in the sense of how little i could care for a story but how much i could enjoy action sequences but it's just so weird that like you're right in the sense that you would think when they were filming that middle part someone would have asked you know at least a basic motivation question uh there's somebody jai courtney plays a gargoyle who's sort of the second in command gideon to uh, lenore and uh, i really liked him when he was on spartacus and was really sad when he was his character was killed and have really been waiting for jai courtney to do something good with his career but uh you know a good day to die hard was just a lot of jumping through glass and this is just a lot of him jumping into the air and then being replaced with the cgi creation and i don't know what motivates him uh it's like there's some sort of gargoyle pledge or something that we never hear but he is convinced that Frankenstein needs to die while Lenore her, is convinced that Frankenstein needs to live because she looked into his eyes or something. And it's like I could get from the visuals of this movie what they were going for, but at no place in the actual storytelling does it seem like any care was taken as to you know, making Frankenstein self-actualize himself. But even those goals weren't really ever justified because like, Lenore wants him she wants him to stay alive at one point and you never really know why. But then later on, she completely switches her mind and she wants him dead. It's just like no one had any justifiable motivations throughout this entire thing. Even Adam himself it really annoys me that they kept calling him Adam too. Like I know that's part of, that's part of the, uh, the source material and it's, ha- it's part of it, but <laughs> just yeah. like really kind of irritated me because they were saying it so casually too. But he like what was the point in him going away and then him coming back when he did because i was writing a synopsis earlier today and i wrote something along the lines of he he went away because his creator abandons him and it upsets him that's obvious but why does he wait 200 freaking years to come back all of a sudden I mean, the movie tries to say that that's how long it took the demons to find him again. But really, I don't even know. But that wasn't true. Wasn't he constantly being tracked down and and taking them out? I thought that's what they were implying. Maybe. But then at some point he decided that he couldn't run maybe because he'd been, I don't know, killing enough demons. It's weird to me that this movie decides to do a very... Uh, basic reading of Mary Shelley's book, you know, down to the 
Branagh adapted electric eels, but, you know, basically does it as in the first, you know, two to three minutes, tells the story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and then for no reason, discernible reason, cuts ahead 200 years, because it would make sense uh, if it was any sort of modern world, but the entirety of I, Frankenstein takes place in this fictional world where there's, like, one city that's half, you know, crumbling Eastern Bloc and half, you know, Parisian uh, churches, which doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. So it sort of makes it feel like we jump over 200 years just because nothing happened in that 200 years. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, there's really no purpose to the setting whatsoever. I mean, it's supposed to be the whole selling point here is almost that it's like a modern twist on the iconic monster. But you never see any technology besides what's going on in the lab. You never see any people. That's another problem, actually. The fact that you don't see any people makes it impossible for the situation to feel very grounded, especially because Aaron Eckhart's character is trying to figure out how he fits in in society. And then the Gargoyle Order, they're supposed to be dedicated to keeping humans safe. We don't even see any humans. And that's that's another problem with all that great action with the ascending and the descending. It looks great, but I can't appreciate it because it sounds so stupid to me that all of that could be going on and there could be all of this death and destruction. And we're supposed to believe that no people in that area see it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know why the gargoyles are so intent on staying hidden and whatnot. And same with the demons. Like, there's that demon club right at the beginning, but it seems like in the shots, by turning their eyes red, they reveal, like, half of that club to be demons. And so by the time we see our first... The, like, only human that gets highlighted as a human is this cop that, like, instantly dies, that maybe has 12 frames of screen time, and he's supposed to represent the entire human population that is... The stakes, the demons and the gargoyles aren't battling for land and they aren't battling for Frankenstein really until like the second act when they realize that he's, you know, back from his 200 year walkabout. But it's supposed to be this ongoing thing that's, you know, about humanity. And in that sense, like that's the root of a cool idea in the sense that, you know, you just take sort of Catholicism and the cartoon gargoyles and make it a movie it i'm just not sure what's gained by putting frankenstein here like aaron eckhart definitely gives a very physical performance and he must have known that there wasn't a lot to do there because he you know sort of puts a lot of work into his stance and his glowering uh but like then also the script doesn't live up to very simple things i think when i i emailed katie and patches and david and told them they were really missing out because there's a scene where Adam Frankenstein says, this ends tonight. And then he beats the crap out of a guy and then immediately takes a nap. And it has to be a nap because it's night when he goes to sleep and night when he wakes up, but basically takes a nap just so it doesn't end tonight. And I'm like, if you didn't catch that in your second draft of the script, then that's probably indicative of why this plot doesn't hold together. It was such a weird thing to do to see your hero like you. Just be like, oh, my God, I got to lay it on, on this bed and have a rest right now. And it also opened the door up to questions like, all right, he's napping. Does that mean he eats? And how far does his uh, human-like qualities go? And they even make a point in the movie to say uh, he is made up of, I think it was a dozen parts from eight dif- different corpses. And if you're going to do that, why not explain the character's anatomy just a little bit? I mean, all we really learn is that what's-her-face has to, like, zap a rat and it comes back to life. But you don't learn anything about, 
like the process and they flip through that notebook constantly and what did we ever take from that nothing that that book had no value to the audience and that was kind of like the large majority of the issues in this movie is that everybody was kind of just doing what they had to do but we were never given any insight or like just a sense of what was going on in their heads how they felt their thought process nothing they were just going along with the necessary beats so we could have our big blowouts and CGI vomit and that's it yeah Kevin Graveau also does comics, and this felt like a comic come to life in all the ways that me as a comic fan does not want comics to come to life. Because the scale is there, and the design is there, and the cool little transitory ideas and how to get in between, you know, cool shots and cool action set pieces are there. But then everything else is MacGuffin chases with people making decisions that make no sense. Like, after that, he takes that nap. Um, Yvonne Strahovski... I'm going to pretend I said that right. Plays the love interest, Tara. She's a scientist. She sews him up, which, you know, could be a cool moment because he's basically all stitches, but they sort of let that go like a traditional, it might as well be Tom Cruise getting the back of his shoulder sewn up or whatnot. Harrison Ford. That's it. I'm thinking right of the Lost Ark. Anyway, uh, and then after that scene, they split up for no apparent reason. They're like, they have to do two things. And she has to do the dangerous thing, and he just basically has to go and talk to somebody. But for whatever reason, they can't do that together. And that leads to the climax, where there's all sorts of changing sides. And then something happens that sort of reveals that the entire motivation of the evil side was sort of based on a misassumption about the story. And at that point, I might have thrown my press notes up in the air. I definitely sat sat in the back of the theater Glorious IMAX 3D, I'm sure Aaron Eckhart would want me to mention, but absolutely no plot. And then it, when the last beat in your story is like this cool action sequence, but it's predicated on, you know, basically saying that the central conceit of your movie doesn't hold true. Uh, I'm, I don't know. Like, I, I'm really, I really don't have much to say about this movie beyond what you said, which is how can... All of these people have these great ideas, but nobody has the idea to make it cohesive in any sort of way. It's so sad. It's like they just came up with each idea and then just never thought it through after, which is it's just so unfortunate because so much of this had potential. And I also wish they had lightened it up a little bit. This movie takes itself so damn seriously. If they had thrown in a few more jokes, like there's this one great scene where Yvonne, what's her name, sees a demon for the first time. And I think she says just something simple like, oh shit. And it's just perfect timing, perfect intonation. And it's freaking hilarious. If it had a few more moments like that, I mean, I know people don't like this movie as much as I do, but I had fun with Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters because it was silly. It was funny. You don't take it seriously. I had a blast with that. And I wish this kind of tried to be like that. But instead, it went super serious, and it didn't have the layers to back it up at all. And Aaron Eckhart's performance kind of bugged me in it, too, because he's walking around with, like, this stone-cold expression on his face the entire time, and we're supposed to believe that he's changing? I mean, I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is I'm not even sure a change necessarily happens. And like something that made the first Underworld film work for me that is absent here is by, you know, sort of including a human who genuinely has no idea about this secret war that's going on. We get to see all the moving parts and we have an idiot's point of view for every character's motivation. Here, by making Frankenstein the central character and only spending two minutes telling us a story we already sort of know, there's like this assumption that, you know, 
this is happening because Frankenstein told us in voiceover in growly Batman voice that it was happening and that that's enough to allow the movie to keep going. And it just isn't. I Frankenstein. Oh, the last line of the movie is the title, by the way. So (laughs) if I didn't spoil enough for you, I am my father's son. I Frankenstein. Boom. And he's not his father's son. And that's not explained either. So I don't know what I'm building up to here. Just like this a- just made me really sad. I mean, I don't mean to keep connecting it to the interviews because that's like a major no-no is to like have a review affected by interviews. But what made me even more just like flat out sad about this movie is that I thought I had all these great questions because you see this movie and it almost feels like there was so much more there and maybe they didn't have time because it's only a 90 minute movie. Yeah. So I was so excited to walk into the room and ask Aaron Eckhart, you know, what about the scars? What about your voice? What about the posture? Like, did that have any... Did that come from that he was stitched back together or or just like his demeanor, how he feels about himself? And he like, he had no answers, like yeah. no answers, like literally at one point just said something along the lines of like, do you think I think of these kinds of things? I just listen to the writer and director. And that just so disappointing. Yeah, especially I don't know. I was like not looking forward to seeing this movie, but Sundance is coming. So everybody else is like out on assignment. So I sit down. I open the press notes The bus was delayed with the international people, so I actually got to read through all of the press notes, and the press notes made me excited for what I was about to see. And so from that until about maybe the end of the first act of the movie, I was very thrilled to be seeing I, Frankenstein. But then I came out of the movie with the feeling I had before the press notes, and so this just became an exercise in futility. I still think there's a... The press notes have all those ideas in it. The press notes, like, celebrate all these great ideas they have, and then they never execute any of them. Yes. Okay, so taking the position of a consumer advocate, when, if ever, is the best time to see I, Frankenstein? What format and how much should you pay for it? Well, I definitely don't think you should see it in the theater. I mean, it's not as much as we're picking on it and as upset as it made me to hear that certain people involved in the project didn't think certain parts of it through too much. Like, I wasn't miserable in it. I was okay. I was mildly entertained by a lot of the action. And again, I did have a lot of fun with the gargoyles. It's hard to recommend spending money on this. I'd say wait until a friend buys the DVD and then go over and watch it with them. Yeah, well, you got to invest, you know, a whole bunch of your time into keeping friends who buy these sorts of DVDs. But I could see that happening. I I would say um, keep your Netflix and Hulu Plus accounts and hope it comes up. If not, catch the TV version because, you know, call me crazy. But in a world where a franchise, it's really hard to kill a franchise these days. I wouldn't mind returning to Gargoyles versus Demons and just telling Frankenstein to fuck off. Yes, yes. See, that that's what this movie needed. It was like the Gargoyle-Demon world that worked, but it didn't work like in the context of Adam's search for a freaking heart. <laughs> yes. I mean, they just don't mold together well at all. So I would say Lionsgate, keep the property and let universal do their van helsig reboot that's going to be horrible and ruin frankenstein you didn't ruin frankenstein they're going to ruin frankenstein so to wrap up perry where can we meet meet where can we read your coverage of i frankenstein on online 
It's a little all over the place. Uh, my review is going to come up on Shock to You Drop. I've got some interviews up there as well as ComingSoon.net uh, and Collider.com too. And uh, you can catch me on Twitter too, P. Nemiroff. As you should. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can catch me here fighting in the war room every Tuesday and this time Friday. But usually we have more better people talking about better movies. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash DA7E and at latino-review where I will be covering I Frankenstein and talking about more superhero movie news and rumors. Um, no lightning round this week. Sorry, guys. We're still getting back on track. But uh, Sundance is winding down and everyone's going to be back and... I'm sure we have some good movies to talk about through Olympic season. So thank you very much once again, Perry, and we'll be talking to you guys on Tuesday.